1: Said you return that I might
2: live in my father house. If God asked you the same question that He asked Solomon, ask anything and it's yours. If my answer has anything to do with my flesh, the satisfying of my flesh, it indicates I haven't come. To a true concept of life but if i'm asking god for something in the realm of the spirit something that will enable me to get closer to the lord and serve him more completely that is a true indication of a life after the spirit when
0: solomon was a young ruler he was given an incredible gift God gave him the opportunity to receive absolutely anything he wanted—riches, fame, or kingdoms, it didn't matter. Whatever he asked of God, he would receive. As Pastor Mike shows us today, this blank check that Solomon was given is a true test of character. Would he desire the things of God or the things of the world? What would be most precious in Solomon's eyes? What would you deem most precious if given the same opportunity? Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Romans, chapter 8, as he continues his message So Much More.
1: You return.
2: I need to choose to live after the Spirit. Now, let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. For example, in the book of Romans, in chapter 8, and verse 6, there Paul tells us, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay, so, the life of the flesh, granted, seems quite logical. I mean, the way to satisfy our hunger is... To what? To eat. The way to satisfy our thirst is to what? Well, to uh, drink. That's very logical. But you see, there is this fallacy in that logic somewhere along the line. Because hunger and thirst, again, we will continue to hunger and thirst again. And thus, the person who chose to live apart from God, not walking after the things of the Spirit of God, lives their whole lives, their lives are spent just eating and drinking. It's only through having a personal relationship with Christ where those needs and desires can be fulfilled and we can experience true satisfaction in our life's experience. Now let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 4, in verses 13 and 14, Jesus is speaking to and addressing the woman at Jacob's well. Remember, the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And uh, he uses this opportunity to speak of those living waters that only he can provide. In John's Gospel in chapter 4, in verses 13 and 14. So Jesus answered and said to this woman, the Samaritan woman, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Remember, they're standing right before uh, Jacob's well. And Jesus asked this woman to draw water out of the well so that he may drink. And then he uses this as an opportunity to be able to address this woman and speak of those living waters that only he can provide. And he says, and he goes on to declare, for whoever drinks of the water that I shall give, not of the waters that the world has to offer, okay, but only the waters that he alone can offer, that I shall give him, will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. So that's where our thirst in our life's experience is satisfied. Now, let me give you another cross-reference from the same gospel in chapter 6 in verses 33 through uh, 35. And at this particular time, let me set this uh, text of Scripture up for you. This was just after a short while where Jesus took the little uh, young man's lunch and fed the 5,000. Remember the loaves of uh, bread and the fish, and, and he actually fed an entire uh, crowd of people who were gathered together to receive of the Lord all of the healings, all of the miracles that were taking place. He fed 5,000 in all. So they had, he discovered a gathering of people following him wherever he uh, went. So Jesus made this statement in Capernaum and people got on boats and they just followed the Lord wherever he went at this time, but they were looking for miracles. They really truly didn't have a, want to, you know, make a decision and invite him to be the Lord and Savior of their lives. They were more following him because of the miracles that he had uh, performed. And so anyway, he seizes this opportunity and they were talking about, you know, the bread that had come from uh, heaven, the manna that God had uh, given his people, Israel, when they had uh, made the exodus out of Egypt and they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. But anyway, he uses this opportunity. And notice, and again, I want you to think about the bread that the world has to offer, that people are eating of, but they're never satisfied and they're never fulfilled. So anyway, Jesus uses this as another opportunity. And he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's referring to himself in verse 34. For they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And so there you have it. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. So you want those cravings satisfied? Never the thirst again, never to be hungry again. Well, what do we need to do? We need to come to Jesus. Okay, so what have we said? A quick overview of what I had just said, a quick review. God has created us to have a loving relationship with him. Man becomes the object of his love, and these blessings always are flowing to me. But for that love to be truly meaningful... He had to create me, create you, a self-determinant being and give me a choice to make. And what was the choice again? Well, we're either going to walk after the flesh, our bodily appetites, or we're going to walk after the Spirit of God. Unfortunately, as I've already suggested, man chose to walk after the flesh. It began right from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, Adam, and all have followed in his footsteps. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In the book of Isaiah, in chapter 53, in verse 6, it says, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. In the book of Romans, in chapter 3, in verse 23, it tells us there that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In the book of Psalms, in chapter 51, in verse 5, there we are told, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin my mother did conceive me. So anyway, there's the problem. There's the issue. And that's the very reason why Jesus came into this world. And when Jesus came along, he spoke of the new birth, being born again of the Spirit of God. And Jesus said, man cannot enter into the kingdom of God until he's been born of the Spirit of God. Now, he made that statement to a Pharisee whose name was Nicodemus. And in this conversation that they had, Nicodemus was obviously confused about Christ's saying. He responded and says, how can a man who is old enter into his mother's womb again? How can a man be born when he is old? And in response to that question of Nicodemus, Jesus shared one of the most beloved verses of Scripture in all of the Bible. You know it, John three sixteen. Here's the answer, Nicodemus. Here's how a person can be born again of the Spirit of God. John 3, 16. That's it. Here's the answer, Nicodemus. Believe on me. The provision that God has made through Christ. You see, God desired to redeem mankind who was lost, who was dead in their trespasses and sin because he was living after the flesh. It was God seeking to turn him around, to give to man a new dimension of life. Do you see that? And that's the very reason why Jesus came. So, true satisfaction can never be found on the physical, fleshly side of my life. It's only found as I come into the true spiritual dimension of life. And listen, God wants all of us to come to this knowledge. To come to this kind of a, an experience, And you know what, unless that happens, until that happens, we're only a two-dimensional individual. We're only living body and soul. We're all wrapped up in our body needs, we're all wrapped up in our uh, soul needs, our intellect, right? But God wants us to live in an other dimension and that is the spiritual dimension. And that's the reason why Paul tells us that the natural man cannot discern the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them. And so when we're born again, there's this other dimension, the dimension of the Spirit that's awakened within us. It's sort of like we've you know shifted into high gear, the third gear, which is the Spirit. And that's where God wants us to be. And that's where God wants to take each and every one of us. God wants us all to come to that experience. So God is seeking to turn you and me, to align us with his plan. Why? So to bestow upon us blessing on top of blessing. Now, there's another reason for this, that God wants us to come to this experience, so that others around us might see and understand the value of a spiritual life. Isn't that the very reason why he called the nation of Israel unto himself? Now, I don't know why... God chose Israel. I mean, they fail time and time again, over and over and over, right? But God, you know, I'm not going to counsel God. I don't know why particularly he chose uh, the nation of Israel. He could have chose the Italians. And I would have been perfectly good with that myself, so, you know, I'm Italian. I mean, why Israel? I mean, they fail time and time again. But the purpose in, in choosing whatever uh, group he had uh, chosen was so that the surrounding nations would see the benefit of them knowing, serving, and worshiping the true and the living God, Jehovah. And that was God's purpose in choosing uh, Israel. And it's also true of us today. That's why God is called. This is another reason and purpose why God has called uh, you and me. Not only for our blessing, that God might shower his love upon us, but that others around us might see the benefit of our walking and have any relationship with God, that they might see and understand the value of a spiritual life when they see that joy, peace, love that we have. So here in that history of God, dealing with man, we now come to Solomon. Boy, I've got a long way to set up this Bible study, haven't I? David has passed along the reins of leadership to his son Solomon. And now Solomon is in the city of Gibeon, and after offering these sacrifices, he dreams a dream, and God appears unto him and declares, Solomon, ask anything, and it's yours. And as I mentioned before, we can only fantasize if this was us, if we found ourselves in Solomon's place. Now, let me ask you a question, and I want you to think about this. What would your answer be if God you know, gave you that blank check? How would you respond? I bet you some of you would respond, you know, God, I, I could uh, actually, how about a great bod? Or how about like a, uh, you know, a uh, six-pack uh, stomach? Or, you know, God, I would really love to be extremely handsome. Now I know that none of you would ask that because you're all extremely handsome. Maybe some of you would ask for a billion dollars. Maybe some of you would ask for notoriety or to become famous others would ask for the honor of man. You know, you fill in the blank, so on, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? How would we respond to that question? Well, listen, these are the things that I've just suggested people are striving for every day around you. These are the things that the person who is living after the flesh holds up as a ambition, a desire or a goal. Now, why is that? Because obviously they feel that if they can obtain these things that that will bring them satisfaction it will make them happy but you know what the truth of the matter is that they are deceived because happiness does not come by some fleshly endowment in fact some of the things that I just mentioned people have received and then the most miserable of people that you'll ever meet in the book of Romans in chapter 8 and verse 6 there we are told the mind of the flesh is death listen gang it can never bring you happiness or fulfillment. If your focus is in on the things of the flesh, you'll never be happy and you'll never be fulfilled, you'll never experience true satisfaction. So, in answering this question, if God asks you the same question that he asked Solomon, ask anything and it's yours. If my answer has anything to do with my flesh, the satisfying of my flesh, it indicates I haven't come to a true concept of life. But if I'm asking God for something in the realm of the Spirit, something that will enable me to get closer to the Lord and serve Him more completely, that is a true indication of a life after the Spirit, a life that is going to be blessed. And you can expect that. So, if you're really honest with your answer, if you are evaluating yourself you know on the basis of where you really are with uh, God. This is a good way to gauge that. Now notice here in verses 7 through 9 in our text, how did Solomon respond? Verses 7 through 9. Solomon asked and said, Help me, God, to fulfill my calling, to serve your people, to rule with your wisdom, to know right from wrong, indicating what? that Solomon had come to a true evaluation of life, the meaning of life. And Solomon was someone who at this time was walking after the Spirit. And when God saw that Solomon made this request, it pleased God. Because remember, Solomon could have asked for the world. He could have asked for anything and God would have granted it to him. But because his request was of a spiritual nature, his request was granted. And God gave him this uncanny ability in wisdom. In fact, let's jump ahead and we'll, we'll get into this and I'll really break it down for you in one of our future studies as we move into the next chapter in chapter 4. But let me give you a quick preview. Notice, quickly turn to chapter 4 in verses 32 and 33. And this was the result of God giving Solomon this wisdom that he asked for In verses 32 through 34, he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Also, he spoke of trees from the cedar tree of Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish. In other words, he became an expert. He excelled in philosophy, in music, in botany in zoology, in architecture, all of these things. And verse 34, And men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of uh, his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So God said, I'll give you what you asked for, but I'll also give you what you didn't ask for because you made the right choice, Solomon, Now, in verses 13 and 14, take special note of this. Remember, this was all contingent upon. And what we have recorded first in verses 13 and 14 are rules for honor and long life. Let's read that one more time, verses 13 and 14. I have also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways, notice it's contingent upon this, walking in his ways, to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So what we have here in verses 13 and 14 are rules for honor and long life. And here in those verses of Scripture is an interesting discovery. Jesus declared it in the New Testament very plainly. He set forth this divine Principle. It's the same principle that's recorded first here in our text. This way, when he said, Matthew chapter six and verse thirty-three, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. You see, it's a matter of priority. If your spiritual priorities are ruling, then God is going to take care of all the rest of everything in your life's experience. Thus, you don't have to ask for the riches or the honor or these other things. He will take care of all of those things. If only you will seek first the things of the Spirit, the things of his kingdom. Listen, this principle was stated by Jesus and it was revealed in and through Solomon's life. But not only Solomon but other characters that are uh, referred to in the Bible. For example, King Asa, good King Asa, in 2 Chronicles, in chapter 16, in verse 9, it says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. He's looking for guys like you and me who will walk after the Spirit throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. This is what God wants to do. He wants to show himself strong through your life on behalf of those whose hearts notice it's contingent upon, whose heart is loyal or faithful to him. In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have wars. If you don't do it, notice the consequences. But God is looking for those individuals through which he can work. So, this is uh, something that we need to take a special note of here. It's a matter of priority. And if your spiritual priorities are ruling then God is going to take care of all of the rest of everything in your life. God is looking for men and women who are living after and desiring the things of the Spirit. God is searching. He wants to show himself strong on behalf of that person whose heart is right and perfect before him. So, there is this choice, gang. We can spend our whole lives trying to satisfy the desires of our flesh, or we can live after the Spirit in fellowship and harmony with God. And if we do, we will find that God will so completely fulfill and satisfy our lives that those things of the flesh that used to dominate us, the things that we were so wrapped up in before we came to know Christ, that we were so consumed by, will simply vanish as we've chosen to walk after the Spirit. We come into harmony with God and the purposes of God. And listen, at that moment, we will come to the realization, wow, I've got it all. You know, Paul put it this way when he said, it's the life of the Spirit, it's love, peace, and joy. Gang, that's our choice. It's a choice that we have to make every day of our waking lives. Please, Make the right choice.
1: In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long
0: to be Thanks for listening today. In My Father's House is delighted to bring you Pastor Mike Benizio. Pastor Mike has been working through the book of 1 Kings, where we've encountered the reign of Solomon. One of Solomon's greatest achievements was the building of the temple. The temple he built was glorious. If you've ever wondered about how God feels about artistry, then you need to read 1 Kings 7, where the building and furnishing of the temple is described. Solomon could have kept it simple, but he ordered an abundance of artwork to honor God in this building. Artistry of all kinds can bring glory to God, the one who first created beauty. The first thing Solomon did when the new temple was complete was bring offerings to God. Part of our worship of God is offering Him our time and money. If you want to give to the work of God as a part of your worship, we would love to have you partner with us. It's easy. Just head over to our website, HarvestNYC.org. Once again, that's HarvestNYC.org. Come be a part of spreading the Word of God. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Manhattan. If you're out of the area, we'd still love to hear from you. Please send us a quick note at HarvestNYC at Verizon.net. That's HarvestNYC at Verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages have reached. We've reached the end of our time for today, but we'll be here again next time, and we hope you will too. See you right here on In My Father's House.
1: Where I love, to be oh my heart, not be troubled.